Good morning. It is great to see everybody after such a long absence. Good morning again. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm Joe Schmid, I'm a deacon here at Spring Meadows. Um, the topic today is on biblical counseling. Uh, let's see, so about 22 years I spent uh, my time as a probation officer working in the criminal court systems uh, through in various states. The, uh, so I worked with mainly, most of the criminal courts is about uh, substance abuse, substance dependence. So, and then there's anger issues, lots of issues. Uh, I've worked in domestic violence units, I've worked in drug courts, general supervision. Um, so probably the first two years of those 22 years, um, I was an unbeliever. So I'm out of college, I'm excited, I got a badge, I'm ready to go. I'm gonna change the world, make a difference out there, right? So um, I don't know if many of you know what probation work is like. Um, you do field work, you, you have people come in the office, you discuss with them, you know, hey, what's going on with you? You getting anything out of your counseling? Um, or are you just going through the motions, stuff like that? So I had the, uh, the privilege of probably, I don't know, meeting probably 1,500 to 2,000 people just on a daily basis talking about their sin issues, basically, right? So, uh, so I was all excited, like, okay, I'm going to give you these tools, and you're going to go out there, you're going to do this, you're going to become a model citizen, get a job, pay your taxes, it's going to be awesome, you're not going to use drugs anymore, you're not going to beat up anybody, and uh, so I did that person come back in the next week well how's it going well I picked up a new case me and my wife got in an argument and I got arrested or oh man uh, I, I relapsed and I uh, got you know I got charged with possession so I'm like what is I, I gave you all the tools I gave them to you so you just do this 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 and this you should be fine right no um, so here we are today, you know, looking at different worldviews of how to change behavior, look, basically. Um, so what's the world's view today of changing behavior? Anybody know? Take a guess. Education. Education change your behavior. Um, from what I get, like uh, from being exposed to counseling and stuff like that for people, is make the right choices. Just make right choices and things will go well, right? Well, what happens when you don't make right choices? Anyone want to take a guess? How's that feel when you don't make a right choice? There's a spiral. But when you're making right choices, who is the change agent? Yeah, and when you don't make the right choices, who's at fault? Could be someone else, or it could be me, right? Uh, ultimately, if you're looking at yourself honestly, you could say, yeah, it's this guy, my bad, right? So, and what, what's the cause of that? What happens when we say, yeah, I messed up again? 
guilt, right, shame, all that stuff. And none of those are in the fruits of the Spirit, right? Uh, so, so it's all these, how do I handle this guilt and this shame over these poor choices that I made that everybody told me all I had to do is make the right choices and things would go well with me, right? <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, so... You know, uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine. the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? So if we're looking inside to ourselves to make right choice, how, the Bible is pretty harsh with us on that, right? So um, when it comes to biblical counseling, and this should be number one on your handout, um, it is a, Christian's, a Christian trying to help someone struggling with the problems of life and living, in, living using the Bible. So and if you go back up to, to the first one where it says, everyone is a counselor. Okay. I don't know if this happens to you guys at work or, you know, whatever. You know, I know uh, I worked in, I was a field officer in Columbus, Ohio, and all I did was field work. I went out and went through people's homes, went through their stuff, made sure they didn't have any contraband weapons or anything like that. And uh, so I had a partner, me and him, me and, me and my partner, and, you know, so I'm in the car with this guy eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. So, you know, you're going to talk, right? You know, hey man, I'm having relationship problems or, you know, problems with money, whatever it is. And, and so that's a great opportunity to share the gospel, and it comes down to what's your worldview. When you're seeking advice from somebody, what is your worldview? And I always would say, hey, man, I'm a Christian. My worldview comes from the Bible. And if you ask me any questions, that's where it's hopefully it will come from. Um, and so, what are other worldviews? We said, like, self-righteousness, you know, believe in yourself. You know, there's a, what's that, Disney mentality, all the Disney shows, all comes out of your feelings, I gotta be me, you know. Um, but again, when you're told, make the right choices, be your own person, when that falls apart, whose fault is it? Well, like I said, if you're gonna be honest, it's this guy right here. So, um, when, you're, when you're getting counseling or receiving counseling, it's very important to understand that worldview of where it comes from. Um, so, then we go back down to what's biblical counseling. Number two, it is the private, compassionate, intensive ministry of the word. Now, the format here is if anybody has any questions or comments, you have to come up here to this microphone uh, because it's being live streamed so they can hear the uh, question. So make sure you raise your hand or whatever, let me know, you speak, feel free to. And then uh, number three, it is a Christian who needs to grow, change humbly, lovingly, trying to help someone else who needs to grow and change so that God gets the glory. So 
we're just beggars showing other beggars where to get some food, right? And then that goes back to who's getting the glory? Well, if I'm the one making all the right choices, then I'm the one getting the glory, not God. And going to the worldviews, common psychological approaches to counseling. Um, the only thing, these are all different ways of kind of doing the same thing. Uh, behavior modification. Um, the only thing they do agree on is the Bible's wrong about any type of cor- correction. So uh, there's a guy named Freud. Um, he's basically saying life is dictated by our childhood. We go back to our fixate. We get fixated on a step in life, and we we can't grow until we go back to that and get over that. Um, so your identity is in something that happened to you in the past, and the problem's never addressed. And and if you go to Second Corinthians five seventeen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old man has passed away before the new has come. So what a bummer if if you're doing that, because I'm stuck. I can't move on because I'm told I'm labeled that I'm this and I can't move on until I do this. But God says, no, you're a new creation. You are a new creation. A guy named B.F. Skinner and Pavlov, everything we do is in our own genetic makeup and we decide what is healthy behavior. Positive and negative reinforcement drives behavior. Good things will happen to me if I make good choices. So basically you're taming the animal, that sin nature within us, right? Um, Can anybody think of any person in history that made all the right choices? Jesus, right. Actually, Jesus was the only normal one, right? Because we're all supposed to be like that, but he was the only normal one. We're the ones that are not. And <laughs> so um, how did life go for Jesus? He made all the right choices. Followed the, everything, right? Uh, well, the world didn't treat him so well. Okay, and then we go down to a humanistic viewpoint, Maslow. We are who we are because of the authorities over us, parents, society. When we feel guilt, we need to shake it off and become our own person, doing what is right in our own sight, and that is being our own God, right? And again, um, uh, there's, there's no hope in that. I'm labeled, I'm stuck. There's no regeneration, there's no transformation in that. Um, The other theory is person-centered. This is probably the most popular uh, today. I don't know if something else has come along in the last couple of years, but CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Stop, think, behave. It's all up to you, change. Problems are not our fault, either biological or environmental. No discussion of sin. Uh, We deal with your own strengths. You do everything with your own strength. Um, And this is a very outwardly approach. Um, I would say in the criminal justice system right now, uh, that's 
the main counseling uh, theory that, that everybody's using. Stop and think, make a good decision. Again, what happens when I don't stop? I don't think and I make a bad decision. Because it's, it's basically all up to you. And that is very an outwardly approach. And uh, with biblical counseling, uh, who would be the change agent? The Holy Spirit, thank you. The Holy Spirit is a change agent, not us. And uh, like I said, uh, CBT therapy, that's very common with um, um, uh, substance-dependent people. Um, and I, I was dealing with that a lot about five years ago. Um, I was in Ohio, which was ground zero for the uh, heroin epidemic. Um, uh, I had people having fatal uh, overdoses weekly. I got a list of people, you know, every, every Wednesday from the sheriff's department. Fatal overdose, not a fatal overdose, but had to go to the hospital, revac, fatal overdose. And again, it comes back to that worldview. It's up to you. Um, I'll call her April. April was a person that I kind of knew her family a little bit uh, on the edges. Um, she was um, the president of her D.A.R.E. program when she was in the eighth grade. Um, if you guys are familiar with D.A.R.E., it's a, a junior high program, you know, just, just say no to drugs type of thing. And uh, April was a mess. She uh, has gone through numerous attempts at treatment. Uh, residential, outpatient, residential, outpatient. And at this time, this I said about probably five years ago, um, I was arresting people just to keep them alive. Um, that's how, how, mess, how, how much of a, a mess it was in Ohio. Um, I would have, I'd get letters from the jail, thank you for arresting me about five days after they went through withdrawals because the first four days I was the worst person in the world because they were going through withdrawals, which are awful. Um, but after that, I would get letters thanking them. If it wasn't for you arresting me, I would probably be dead right now. So <laughs> with April, um, went through the same pattern. And Ed, Ed Kelly, he's, he kind of works in this area. He would be familiar with this. You know, I, uh, I got April on probation. She kept using. I arrested her. I put her in jail. Went to the judge, and I said, you know, this is a drug dependency issue. She doesn't need to go to prison. We've got to figure out how to wait to get April to stop using heroin, or she's going to die. So um, the federal government put a whole bunch of money into this program in Chill uh, southern Ohio near Chillicothe. So I'm like, great. I pulled some strings. I knew some people. I got her in pretty quick. So uh, it was just enough time for her to sit in, sit in jail to uh, kind of sober up, clear up the mind, so she would be ready for treatment. And that's okay. So go down there. She goes through treatment. Fantastic. Just bam, bam, counselor. Oh, man, she's really getting it. Awesome. She gets out. After she graduates, I should say, she, so she graduates, 
And uh, I'm working with her, uh, I would say two weeks. And uh, she comes to my office, and I'm like, your eyes don't look right. Why don't you stand over there? I want to look through your purse. So I look at her purse, a bunch of needles, all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, I can go back to jail. So I go back to jail. She does her time. Uh, the judge is like, no, we've, we have uh, spent, exhausted all the community's resources on you. So she does her time, six months in jail, gets out. A week later, uh, she's dead. Because that change agent, there's no Holy Spirit. There's a very difficult way to change. And so with the modern techniques, we're just treating symptoms. We're not really treating the heart issue. Of why are you doing this? And April was one of the, um, April was probably one of the people, persons that I dealt with where I'm like, there's, there's got to be something else out there. Um, and so I got this great idea. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to, uh, I got a community corrections grant. I'm going to, um, I'm going to start a medical assisted treatment program. That way, uh, people can receive a prescription. Um, it's an opioid blocker. Uh, if they use, they're not going to feel it. Does nothing, and then their mind will be clear. Then they can receive, this goes back to the 90s, like I told you, like, then they can get the tools they need so they can be successful. Um, that program is still going on today and is a little more successful than your traditional programs, um, but, but it goes back to it's an outward in thing, not an inward out thing from the heart. So biblical counseling is you know, an attempt to get to the root of the issue or the heart. Um, if you go under biblical counseling, that first blank is biblical counseling begins with the understanding of the nature and character of God as revealed in scripture, followed by a biblical view of man. What's the biblical view of man? Anybody want to take a guess? Well, it says the heart is deceitful above all others, so it's not... The unregenerate man is not uh, good. And what is the character of God? Um, so you go to Scripture is superior to human wisdom. Then it goes to 1 Corinthians 3.19. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. <clears throat> so we can go back to the first page and you can see, you know, the wisdom of man, all these techniques, psycho psychological ways to modify our behavior. It doesn't modify the heart. <clears throat> and then the word of God is more effective discerner of the human heart than any earthly means. That's Hebrews 4.12. For the word, the word of God is living, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to, uh, to the division of our soul and the spirit. Uh, joint marrow, discerning the thoughts of intentions of the heart. Um, and then the next one, Spirit of God is the only effective agent of recovery and regeneration. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, uh, and do not be drunk of wine <coughs> for the, uh, this is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making a melody to the Lord with your heart. Um, 
We are all image bearers of God, and we live in a broken world. Just our image has been distorted. So practical biblical counseling is basically intensive discipleship. You hear Tim say a lot, you know, or Pastor Tim says a lot, um, what is church? Church is a hospital. It's for the broken. It's for people who need the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's not for everybody who's righteous. I'm a good guy. Um, It is a hospital. Uh, Part of my testimony is... uh, Ephesians 2. I loved living in my sin and living for my flesh, Um, but uh, my wife decided one day, hey, Joe, I want to go to church. And being a good guy, I was like, you know what? I'll take you to church, but this is not for me. Um, But after months and months of sitting there with my wife, I became convicted of my sin through the word of God. I don't have a technicolor type of testimony, but just sitting, listening to the word of God every week and penetrating my soul. So uh, practical biblical counseling is intensive discipleship. First Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So scripture battles the effects of sin in word, thought, and deed. Uh, So biblical counseling is going to have, you know, have people to start doing this, to say true things about God, to think true things about God and to do true things about God and this is kind of interesting I never really thought about until I started going through this course Um, often we focus on God's goal but um, but we have to use the means and sometimes we we don't use those means but the the goal is there Um, you can see this I don't know you can see this like uh, Satan offered Jesus the world so this is your I'll give this all to you and uh, all you have to do is this or this or just basically worship me right and wasn't that that's God's goal but God's means were completely different God's means was you know yeah this is all gonna be yours but you got to save your people right so so it's the means um, that that we need to focus on the word Um, counseling um, you know kind of what does a a church ministry look like with biblical counseling Um, usually from what I understand uh, biblical counseling when when someone goes to a biblical counselor uh, unfortunately that's their last resort they've tried everything else they've tried 
the world's wisdom. They've tried medication. They've tried to be a good person, or I don't mean to say good person. They've tried to make changes in their lives. Um, and it's, for whatever reason, it's not working. And so, like, you know what? I'm going to try this God thing, see if it works. And so people turn to the church from help. And um, when we go back to saying, you know, church is a hospital, what an amazing ministry to have um, to be a good neighbor, to love our neighbors in the community, is to have a biblical counseling ministry. Uh, There's a testimonial from a church in West Lafayette, uh, Indiana. Um, the guy, they had three biblical counselors, and it was like a four-month wait. And uh, this gentleman said, you know what, I'm going I'm to help you guys out. I'll be your fourth um, counselor so we can get this wait thing down. So uh, the church kind of valued that ministry, um, put some more resources into it. And that probably in the, they, had like 50, they started out, they had like 15 uh, counselors. Guess what the wait list was? Four months. That's, you know, the hurt of the world. They kept, you know, adding and adding, and then the more he added, the more people came. So he went from a four-month wait with three counselors to a four-month wait with 15. And what, a, what an amazing way to serve your community. And through biblical counseling, there's lots of ways uh, the world can provide for people, but Christians, the church, the only ones who can provide biblical counseling. Okay. Does anybody have any questions? Um, so, when you say that you know the Word of God is profitable for teaching, etc., and the church is the only ones with the with the truth. Would that mean that a Christian should never see an unbeliever counselor who's gifted in a specific area? Would you say it's things like cognitive behavior therapy should be skewed by the church altogether? Or can they be used as practical tools along with knowing the underlying causes of the heart? I, I mean, I can imagine that ideally anyone mature in the church could deal with certain types of relationship issues, heart issues. I don't know if I would feel equipped for specific areas like, I don't know, psychosis, same-sex attraction, even drug addiction. Um, is, is there a use of the worldly philosophies and, and worldly wisdom that would not be, uh, you know, subvert the scriptures? Uh, so my answer to that would be uh, most of the time when, when people come for biblical counseling, they've already received other types of counseling. And... I, I would never say, you know what, that doesn't work, don't do it. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to point you to the Word of God. If you're seeking other, other counseling, that's fine. Um, but I'm going to get you into the Word of God and what God says about these issues, um, if that answers the question. Um, so what does a, bibl- a, a, a biblical counseling ministry look like and uh it's not like you know you're at church someone comes up hey i'm having some struggles you know and and we ought to just whip off a verse and say there you go have a good day um the the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna have them fill out an assessment 
so we can get a good picture of what's going on. And then we're going to evaluate that assessment. And then, you know, we're going to, a counselor would do a research, look for a verse that can, that they, that we think would be effective. And remember, all this is the Holy Spirit is the change agent, not us, not me. I, I can't change someone's, you know, only the Holy Spirit can do that. So we're going to decide on a verse. Um, then we can meet with, with the person. And then we're going to explain the verse, ask them if they understand it, have them explain it. And this is very, very simple. I mean, there's much more to it, but for this instance, it's just so they're going to explain the verse. We'll, we could, if there's any deficiencies, we'll polish it up, have them re-explain it, and then ask them how this applies to their situation. Um, and that's kind of what the uh, very, very, very basic structure of a church having a biblical ministry would look like. Um, So, Joe, is there a meaningful difference? I noticed that you said that uh, biblical counseling is often a, a last resort. Um, is there something that at the beginning of that you do that is meaningfully different from somebody who's coming to you as a first resort? Like in how you counsel them or how you begin things? Because to me, last resort sounds like it's dire and indeed of falling apart quite quickly. Coming to a hospital, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what is, what is the thing, how quickly must you move? Is there like that? I guess that's what I'm asking about is like, what is the, the sense of urgency at the beginning? And you talk about a four month wait too. Like how, how do we, how do we as Christians balance that, you know, you need time to prepare you need to, you can't be available for everybody clearly is the four right, month wait right. with those folks what um well, okay so the four month wait example is really just to, sh to show the need for counseling biblical counseling in 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 our country in the community that's what that's for as far as like you know, uh, if there is a, a huge need, like, a, you know, like we talked, I can't arrest people now, but <laughs> if, you know, if there's a, you know, an issue of, uh, you know, hey, I'm probably going to overdose today, you know, obviously, I'll, okay, I'm going to go to your house and hang out with you, <laughs> or we're going to do something like that, because that's meeting that need at that point, not I mean, there's, that's not really not the point to say, hey, let's, let's educate you or, you know, we're going to pray. I'm going to go through God's word, but um, meeting that need at that time. Um, you know, there's so many issues like anger issues, which, you know, there's, it's not as immediate. Um, you know, if someone comes and says, hey, I'm homeless or whatever, hey, okay, well, we can help you out with that uh, immediately. But, you know, you know what, we want to get to the heart issue of why these things are going on. I know you're primarily talking about ministering to people outside the church, but if you had a, such a ministry, I would presume you would also be counseling people in the church. Now it's both. 
And so my question is, how do you see the interface between biblical counseling and church discipline? I mean, is there an overlap? I mean, when do you throw it over the wall? And to me, this is just having been an elder. Right, yeah. It's okay. one of those things you think about. It's like, yeah. at what point does the counselor say, referral to the session? So just right. Um, uh, first thing, when you're meeting with someone, you're not going to say, hey, this is all between me and you. Now, I'm not going to share this with anybody, but if there is a discipline issue, it could be sent to the session. Does that answer your question? Okay. Um, you know, that, just so it's a, there's a clarity there that, you know, look, you know, this is private. However, it could be shared with the session if there's a discipline issue or the session needs to get involved. So there's no expectation of Joe, I can tell you whatever I want, and it stays in this room. And, uh, and there would be a form where they would sign to, to allow uh, the biblical counselor to share that with the session. Uh, any other questions? I haven't gotten a question about, what about unbelievers and believers? I thought I would get that. Um, you, you know, we, we, we all have unbelievers that we, we love and we know that they're going to hell and we, we all have people that we deal with but all of these people that you see they have these they're just being who they are they're, they're sinners mm -hmm. and you're, you're really just treating the, the symptom. The difference in your counseling for them is you're putting a band-aid on a, a, a really bad disease, but it's going to come back and some. Eventually, they're going to go to to hell. It's an, you know, I hate to be right. for the unbeliever. But the reality of Christian counseling is, we treat, we really do treat the disease, and we do you know, and it, and it is a cure, but we're still, we're, right. st we're still ugly and we're still sinners. And you know we're just like them. Right. The difference is we're going to heaven, and maybe over the course of our life, our behavior gets a little better. Yeah. So. Well, with the like you said, the change agent being the Holy Spirit, not us, working in our hearts, helping us, you know, in progressive sanctification. Um, but as far as like, okay, we have uh, unbeliever. Uh, what do we do with that? Because they're going to look at the Word of God and say, I don't know about that stuff. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the techniques would be to, you know, you know, someone's having, usually, let's say someone's having some relationship issues. Um, so you could give them some biblical things to, to look at. But really, you're going to, what are we going to do? We're going to give them the gospel. We're going to you know, get that gospel message in there because that's where it all starts, and that's where the change agent comes in, is working more, getting them toward the gospel. With the believer, you know, we can use God's word. So, Just repeat back your question. <laughs>
us to pursue as a congregation? I would love to see that pursued as a congregation. I don't know how it would look any much different. Um, like I said, all we're doing is we're all beggars, we're all sinners, um, and we are all pointing people to Christ for uh, in the Holy Spirit for change because that's the only change agent we get. I mean, we can, like with my store, like with my testimonials, you know, throughout the court system, I see people try really hard. I'm like, yeah, you're trying really hard, but that only works for so long. And that's why you see a lot of fatal uh, overdoses in heroin because they try really hard for six months, even a year or two years, and then they have a bad day. And the good decision-making, the CBT stuff, they're talking to themselves, doesn't work. And they go out and they use the same amount they were using a year ago, and then they stop breathing and they never breathe again. Um, is there any other questions, comments? Oh. <laughs> uh, do you think it's, it would be uh, more beneficial for people to come as a first resort, or is it in the benefit of biblical counseling for it to be a last resort? That's a great question. Um, obviously, the first resort would be because we, you know, this is probably, like I said, using the JJ to be more effective. But if you're at the end of your rope, like uh, the gospel says, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm going to die, and I need the gospel. I need Jesus more than anything else because I've done everything else in this world. I've taken all I've made all the money I can make. I've tried to satisfy my flesh, and nothing is filling that void, and I need, I need Christ. So you get tore down to be brought back up at some point. Okay, that's all I got. So, hmm? uh, Do you want to close this in prayer? You know, for several years, Terry and I went down to the uh, Biblical Counseling Center and were uh, very blessed to be mentored by Dr. George Scipione, who's now in heaven. Dr. Scipione died last year. Um, and he said, always remember, in terms of the Biblical Counselor, understanding that Judas spent three years with Christ and yet still ended up as we know. So it's an issue of the heart. The individual has to, as you said, really want to change. The other thing the church has to be uh, aware of, and there's been several cases down in California where churches, large churches, have had biblical counseling ministries, and uh, the person, usually it's a non-believer that's accessed those services, has come against the church, you know, taking legal means. So if, when we set up a, a ministry, and I'm, I'm hoping to do that as, we as I retire this year, that we make sure that we have protocols in place to make it very clear about what the church's responsibility is. And to look, and unfortunately, you have to look at the issue of liability. We're mandated reporters. Someone comes in and talks about any kind of abuse. Uh, there's a protocol that has to be reported, as you know, to the state right away. So we need to look at those things to be wise, uh, to be wise as doves, and, you know, and uh, realize that, that uh, it is a noble thing to have that ministry, but also to look at the kind of... Um, um, problems that, yeah. that it can bring about. So you said at a committee meet type of committee level. Right. So um, thank you, Joe. But just in closing, you know, our world is looking for everything else to fill that void.
about 2007, I was working with some younger people. They're about 10 years younger than me. And they would come in and say, man, I watched this movie. It was life-changing. And I'm, all my kids right now, well, my two kids that are here, probably they know exactly what I'm going to say. That's for entertainment value only. Okay? That's not how you live your life. You don't watch a Disney movie or some other movie and say, hey, this, that's it. That's going to fill the void in my life, and I'm, it's going to fix it. That's for entertainment value only. So, and that's what the world's looking at right now. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get them to look at the Word of God for, and use the Holy Spirit as the change agent. So, okay, Dave. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, Joe's word today. Thank you that uh, you've spoken through him to um, uh, help us to understand our need uh, for you. Help us to understand that there are uh, consequences to worldviews and consequences to decisions that we make. And we pray that we will be a light um, to uh, our community and salt that we... um, uh, that people will come to us and see something different and want to know what it is and how we were able to change. Um, bless us as we go uh, into your service this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.